Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 66. The Mike and the Mad Dog on the fan. Uh, Cardinals and Tigers, weather permitting, sounds like they will get a window of opportunity, as they like to say to play this uh, game this evening, and it's uh, quite apropos that Tim McCarver should be doing the Cardinals and the Tigers since he lived the Cardinals and the Tigers many moons ago. Timmy, good afternoon. How are you, Mike? I'm fine. Dog is on the phone. He'll be here about two seconds. But, uh, you know, does it seem, did you get a little nostalgic when this series started, thinking about the Tigers and the Cardinals? Yeah, I did. Uh, And I'm going to get, I think, more nostalgic tonight when Bob Gibson throws out the first ball. I didn't see Bob last night, but I know he's in town. I've heard from friends, and I don't want to call him to bug me, and I don't want him to call me uh, to bug him, and I don't want him to call me either. You don't really have any time unless you're at the ballpark. And, uh, And I hope to see Bob tonight. And, of course, you know, you can't help but get nostalgic to you know when you talk about uh, Gibson in the in the '68 series, and I think I've told you and Chris before. I mean, we're going into going into Game Five. You know, we had a three-one lead, and we knew Gibson was was in the wings. He was he was going to be fully rested for Game Seven. And I think in retrospect that uh, our dependence on Gibson could have been uh, one of the reasons for our demise in a, in a weird sort of way. And, and interesting, as Doug and I have alluded to, not only lead 3-1 this great Cardinal team that won it in 64 and won it in 67, but gets a three-run homer from Cepeda to start Game 5. I mean, you think that the other team's about to crumble. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in the first inning, Cepeda hit the home run in the first inning off Lolich and and uh, and Lola shut the door after that. And uh, also, you know, Ron Davis, a right fielder who started Game Five. Roger Maris didn't start, and Maris had told us for a month, and we knew we were going to win it. We won it by what fourteen, fifteen games or so. And Maris had told us for a month, regardless of how well McLean pitches, don't worry about Denny McLean. Our problem's going to be Lola. And if the Tigers win it, and the Tigers were winning it handily in the American League. And sure enough, Roger was right, but Roger didn't start in games two and five against Lolich, but Ron Davis, a young outfielder, started. And and uh, and obviously this is n- not to knock Ron Davis 37 years later, uh, but uh, a, a ball hit by Lolich in the seventh inning dropped in front of Ron Davis, and had Roger been playing in the outfield, I know he would have caught the and, ball. And, wow. Roger, and Roger Maris, as old Yankee fans or baseball fans, no, has always been known for one thing. He was a tremendous outfielder. Oh, people don't. People really don't know. Not only a tremendous outfielder, a tough base runner. I mean, you're talking about a guy when you needed the second baseman or shortstop taken out of a play, he would take him out all the time. Going from first to third, getting a jump on second base to score, all of those things Maris was schooled in about as well as anybody I played with. You know, Timmy, I would also think that uh, you would feel confident going into Game 7, not just because of Gibson, 
But because Lodich was pitching on two days rest and you had beaten Lomberg the year before on two days rest. Right. So you probably felt, you know what, we worked with this guy one time last year on two days, we won. We'll do the same thing with Lodich. So you probably were shocked at two, five, six innings. He's throwing shutout baseball there. You know, the interesting thing about that, Chris, is nobody even thought about two days rest in those in those days. It was no big deal, right? It was no big deal. I mean, Gibson, <laughs> Gibson started four games and relieved for four and two-thirds in another in a, over a 13-day period in 1964. Four starts, wow. four and two-thirds innings relief to win the last game of the season. Oh, yeah. and, and three of those four games were complete games. One game was the 10-inning game in Game 5 in Yankee Stadium. You know, Tim, I always say this, Boy. and we've talked about this in the past, but you're one, you're, that team is one game away from being recognized as a, as a great all-time dynasty. You're I mean, right. I, I mean, mean, had it, we, had we just won yeah. one more game. I, yeah. You know, I've thought great. about that for the last 35 years, and it ain't fun, I'll tell you. Should Kurt Flood have caught that north of triple, Tim? I mean, nothing, nothing, top seven, bases loaded, he hits the ball that... I guess he got a late jump on. I, I don't recall it. Um, I don't know well, if Mike fell does down. Yeah, I, I think he, he got stuck in the mud. I think there were two things in that series that, that were perpetuated by the press that are wrong. Uh, number one, that Flood misjudged the ball in center field. He didn't misjudge any. I've seen Kurt Flood catch balls like that, you know, time and time and time again. He got stuck in the mud. His right foot with his with his first step, he was stuck in the mud and couldn't make the the chance. The other thing that was perpetuated and that is just flat out wrong is that Bach, uh, that Lou Brock should have slid in Game Five. I mean, the only way, in my view. Uh, the only way for him to have made it home was to get his foot in between Freehand's legs. Freehand did a marvelous job in blocking the plate, and had Lou slid, he would have been out uh, by a farther margin than he was. And I thought he was, you know, I've only seen replays of that, Tim. It's almost looks like it's almost it's like Giambi and uh, and Jeter in that Oakland game. It's almost it almost looks like he's safe on that play. You know that? Well, it was close. Uh, you know, it, it was very very close. Doug Harvey was a home plate umpire, but the the key thing whether he was out or safe. I mean, we argued that he was that he was safe. But the key thing is that Lou has, has lived with this all these years, that he should have slid, and everybody thinks that, and they're wrong. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Tim, you go back to 64 in, in the book when you talked about what Havistam about Mantle's homer in that game about you and Gibson saying, can you believe how strong this guy really oh, is? Oh, my gosh. And he hits that homer. And then I think about 68 where you guys probably had a conversation about how good K-Line is after all those years. Because yeah, right? he was yeah. really a classy hitter. Yeah, classy guy, classy hitter, classy fielder, classy base runner. Everything Al Kaline does and did is is riddled with class. Uh, but you're talking about Mantle, and I've told you guys before that the the one thing you know I didn't turn 23 until the day after the se- day after the series was over. So I was I was very young and very impressionable. And believe me, Mantle impressed me. <laughs> I mean to to catch behind him you could almost feel the aura you could feel the presence of him and the power of him and that's not you know just retrospective thinking i mean uh you're obviously when you're that young and you you grow up and you just look up and and you think here you are in yankee stadium you know for game five it's tied two games apiece and I'm catching behind Mickey Mantle. I mean, if you really think about things like that, you, you really can't play. I mean, you're so intimidated. 
But uh, but fortunately, we weren't intimidated in 64 nor 68, but we won one and lost the other. And he heard you guys in 64 because yes. game three after Kurt Simmons' gem, I, heard, I remember Kurt Simmons telling a story how he left the dugout and he said he was going down a runway and he heard the roar and he says, I know man will hit the ball out of the park because he was the first batter up when mm-hmm. uh, to Barney Schultz, the knuckleball that never flooded never, to, never got to your mitt, as a matter <laughs> yeah, of fact. Yeah, that's right. And, and I, didn't, I didn't realize until about five or six years ago that Mantle had told his teammates, I think. Well, it was far. It was it was longer than that because I think David Halberstam told me when he was interviewing me for October 1964. He told me that Mantle had told his teammates that boys, this game's over. Well, I guess and, you know. It, it, the story to me was that Elston was on deck and Mantle had made an error in that game. That's right. And he said to Ellie, "Go back." And Ellie says, "The only time he ever did that in his life, he said, go back. This game's over.'" Because he was mad at himself, I guess, because he had made an error in the outfield on a throw, if I remember right. That yeah. That's how you got your one run in that game. I think that's right, yes. Uh, you know, Timmy, it's funny here. Uh, this series, well, first of all, we got a lot going on with Kenny Rogers. Uh, we had Morgan on yesterday. He had, him. he had a major problem with the scuffing of the balls. Some people say, ah, they all do it. What's the big deal? Tommy John, you know, Sutton, people like that. I'm sure you caught guys who scuff balls. And then you have Rogers that you caught the other night. Give me your th- Why don't you tell us right now your take on the whole Kenny Rogers situation? Well, Number one, from a catcher standpoint, you never catch a guy who scuffed a ball. You always hit against guys who scuff balls, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean, yes. Because you you never reveal the guys who scuff it. And often, the only guy that I knew that was loading up a ball when, when I caught him was Lou Burdett. And Lou told me, and we had a sign for the pitch out, and, and about uh, 10 years after Lou retired, I played in a golf uh, tournament with him, and I was kidding him about loading up the ball, and Lou said, I never loaded up the ball. I said, Lou, you know, we had a sign for it. Well, I was your catcher. <laughs> and he refused to admit it. I mean, that's that's one of the funnier parts. But, but Kenny, I mean, you know, I, it, it, since the game uh, – began i mean guys are trying to get an edge hitters are trying to get an edge with cork in the bat and stuff like that grooving the bat or whatever whatever they do to, to to get the edge and 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 a lot of guys do it and kenny got caught and it was blatant and uh, and nobody can convince me that that was dirt on his hands i know the difference between dirt and pine tar and yeah pine tar. so did larusa now a couple things tim number one were you was there any chance you were tipped off to this before the game or did you just Not, pick it up during the game not at our cameras picked it up. I didn't pick it oh, up. Okay, okay. Our, our cameras picked it up. Uh, uh, Bill Webb, our our director. You know how they, I mean our cameras. Any cameras? If you have that many cameras, I think we're using fourteen cameras. Well, you use that many cameras, and you're all over the place. I mean, you don't nothing escapes you in in the ballpark, and certainly on the field. And it was shown to me, and and Pete said, "Is this you know something we can?" I said, "Well, it's you know it's so blatant. It's pine tar." And you, you almost have to, you have to show it. Now, La Russa, uh, Otherwise, you're not doing your job. Right. No, no, absolutely. We agree. Show no, it. You had, you had to do that. Now, La Russa said the next day in a press conference that he knew about it before the game from watching him during the playoffs. He had seen it on his hand, and he knew it before the playoff. If that's the case, and he said that in the next day, if that's the case, do you think he was wrong and he in any way didn't do his job by not going out and undressing him and getting thrown out and getting him thrown I, I out was, in the first I inning? Was surprised, I was surprised that Tony said that, too, and that because had he known that, why didn't he go out there in the top of the first inning? Because if he goes out there in the top of the first inning, then it becomes a Jay Howell situation. Uh, that happened back in 1988 when the Dodgers played the Mets and, and Harry Wendelstedt found uh, pine tar in Hal's glove and he was suspended for three games and it was appealed and they eventually 
dropped it to one, I believe. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you go out there when he's got it on him, instead, once we show it, you know he's not going to go back out in the second inning with Tantar on his hand. I mean, any nobody would do that. But, you know, LaRusso's going to get the last laugh, Timmy. If he wins this series and now he's up 2-1 and he doesn't uh, embarrass baseball, which he didn't do on Sunday night, then Tony looks like a hero. So, And if he ever lost this series because, you know, Rodgers goes out there in game six and shuts the door on him, then he looks like a goat. So a lot riding on it right now for Tony LaRusso. Well, I think a lot's riding on it anyway. I mean, you know, right now I think the primary – problem is the Tigers hitting. I mean, they've got three guys who are 0 for 34, Granderson, uh, Polanco, and, and Ivan Rodriguez. And as Steve Horn, you know, our director of information, pointed out last night, these are irreplaceable players. You can't you can't put anybody in. You're not going to put Vance Wilson in for Ivan Rodriguez. You're not going to put uh, Ramon Santiago in at second base for Polanco, and you're not going to replace Granderson. So the, the obvious thing that the Tigers have to have. They have to have production out of these three guys. And I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I underestimated this Cardinal pitching staff. I underestimated Jeff Weaver. I underestimated Jeff Supon. You think about this. When you go inside the numbers of Jeff Supon against the, the Mets, he gave up five hits in 15-plus innings. Against five. a terrific hitting team. Too. Against maybe arguably the best hitting team in baseball. Some people would say the Yankees at the end of the season. They're probably right. But let's say the second best oh, hitting ab- team in baseball. It, Timmy, when and, you, and a team stocked with left-handed hitters. When you look at the 0 for 34, of course we're talking with Tim McCarver here, uh, when you look at the 0 for 34, let's touch on two guys who was uh, – Pudge hasn't hit the whole postseason, so let's leave him out for no, a second. No, he had maybe, 172 uh, right. the, Maybe in. Maybe he's hurt. Who knows what the deal is. But let me get to the other two guys because Grandison killed the Yankees mm-hmm. and Polanco killed the A's. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to give – and I asked Morgan this question yesterday, and he just thought they were different types of pitches. Do you want to give the Duncan and the Cardinals a lot of credit Absolutely. for how they've pitched them, or is it just the type of pitchers they've faced here? In this well, series? the one the one thing – you know, scouting – Scott Reed is the, is the go-ahead uh, scout for the assistant to Dave Dombrowski and one of the scouts. He made a great point before the series. He said, as scouts, we're not interested in what happened three years ago or even two months ago. We want to know what happened last week. And if you take the scouting, the guys who scouted the Cardinals, the guys who scouted the Cardinals knew what happened last week. And what happened last week is Polanco was hitting balls out over the plate. And because of his shoulder, in my view, now Jim Leland denies this, but because of his separated shoulder, the Cardinals have been wearing him out inside. I mean, wearing him out. Mm. And Granderson, they're throwing balls out of the strike zone. You get ahead to a first he ball. He swings hit. at anything. He, and you get him out on your terms. That's exactly so right. So the Yankees With, threw him, too, in retrospect, and I didn't know how good he was or anything, but the Yankees threw him too many strikes is what it came strikes. down to. That's, that, you can, believe me, you can be wild in the strike zone, and I think the Yankee pitchers were. But the Cardinals pitchers haven't fallen for that right now. Uh, and, and with Rodriguez, it's the other way. Pudge is sitting on balls inside, and the Cardinals have worn him out away. So these guys, these guys entered the game. You can say what you want about Tony La Russa, but this guy, uh, you talk about managing. In my view, he's managed in the postseason better than any postseason he's ever had. Wow. Now, what would you do for a fifth game now that we've had a rainout, Tim? Would you go back to Reyes because he would pitch great, or would you let Weaver pitch on full rest? I think it depends on – I think it – well, right now – you know, you, you give Weaver another day because of the rainout yesterday. So, uh, you know, if it depends on whether you go up 3-1. I think if he goes up 3-1, he may, 
he may go ahead and start Reyes. But, you know, that's one point. The other is to go for the throat and go with your best and come back with uh, with Weaver and then Carpenter and then Supine if necessary. Right. Well, they, you know, I mean, when you have a chance, don't let him off the hook, especially that's right. when that sixth game is on that's the right. road. And, and plus, that the rain out had, you know, the Cardinals basically are dealing with uh, with three starters. I mean, Reyes had a good game in game one. But can you depend upon No. I mean, I, I don't think so. No. So the Cardinal, the biggest difference in the starting pitchers is the Cardinals are dealing with three pitchers and the uh, the Tigers are dealing with four. And the big difference for the Cardinals in this series, and maybe they've just gotten lucky as the series worn on or healthier, Edmonds and Roland starting to look like they can swing the bat and they look healthier, especially Roland, and Edmonds has gotten some hits too. These guys looked like they should retire in the Mets series. I, I mean, they could. They <laughs> had some right. of the worst swings you ever you're, saw. You're right. You're exactly right. I mean, Roland, they, they were – the Mets were telling Roland in so many words that we're going to throw you high fastballs, and he couldn't get around them. And now one after another. And, and now, now they're nine for tw- they're nine for twenty one uh, yeah. so far in this series. Yeah, I know. And 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 Edmonds is getting a shot in his left foot, which is excruciating every time he hit in the ball of his left foot. He gets a a shot every day before every game, and uh, and he's banged up. I mean, rarely. Does a team as banged up as the Cardinals even get to the World Series for obvious reasons? They're too hurt. But, I mean, these guys really deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, obviously, the Tigers do, too. But uh, uh, but because the Cardinals are in such physical, you know, they're physical wrecks. But I, I agree with you. There's there's uh, certainly evidence that Roland and, and Edmonds are a lot healthier. Uh, did you like Johnny Keene and Shane Deans bang, playing for both guys, Timmy, or not? Oh, yeah, I love these guys. Red, Red uh, Shane Deans is 83 years old, and... He's just he keeps going along. He's going duck hunting this winter. He told me, and down in Arkansas, he's a legend down there. And uh, he he's just one of the sweetest guys that I've ever run into. And I'm, I'm you know he's like a father to me. And how about Keen in '64? Well, Keen Keen Johnny Keen gave me a chance to play in the big leagues. I mean, they had to make a move in 1963, and they traded Gene Oliver to Milwaukee. Uh, for Lou Burdett, and that opened things up for me, and I, you know, I became a regular catcher. But, uh, but you know, I owed, I owed a lot to Johnny Keane. You know, one thing, Tim, I wanted to go forward, and especially he hasn't been on base yet, Grandison, so it's not a factor yet. But I thought a and Molina hit obviously and had the big homer and, and right. killed the Mets with eight hits in that series, but. Right. I thought the biggest thing he did was he completely shut down their running game. I mean, they wouldn't even run Beltran with two out, no one on in the eighth inning of a tie game. They wouldn't run. They didn't run Reyes a lot except for one night when he ran and Tucker got one where he got a pitch out and he threw it in the center field. But other than that, they this guy. You know, you knew he was a good. You heard he was a good catcher. He he's his defensive play really changed. I thought a lot of that Mets series. I, I don't think there's any question about it. A, you know, a team like the Mets who depended on the speed that was part of their mix: speed, power, the balance in the lineup, and everything with Wright, Reyes, and Beltran. He shut them down, and and Rodriguez is doing that for the Cardinals too. I mean, neither team in the in the World Series has a lot of speed, but these two catchers, there, there has not been an attempted stolen base yet in the series, which is an interesting point. Are you surprised how good, or did you know Malina? I, mean, I knew is he it, was good. You yeah. knew, you knew Let, he was let's face it, I mean, you know, and, and I'm not being mean or anything, but when you hit 216, right, you, gotta be you, able to you play. better do a lot behind the plate, yeah. and that's why Tony keeps him behind the plate, because of what, the way, the, the extraordinary way that uh, he handles his pitchers and, and, uh, and can throw. And I worry about Detroit right now, Timmy. I mean, it was, they had a week layoff. It's been cold. They didn't do anything against Carpenter. Then they sit around in a rain out. Then they're going to go 
go back out there tonight, be a cold night. It's a rough time to break out of a hitting slump in these kind of conditions. You know, I that? think that's I think that's a, a point. You know, initially I discounted the layoff. I thought the layoff was going to be better for the Tigers. Uh, with the Cardinals, of course, clinching on Thursday and then having to start the series on Saturday, I thought I really thought the layoff would be good for the Tigers. But I'm I'm revising that thinking uh, because I, I'm not too sure that that's the case. I think the combination of the Cardinals playing, uh, you know, uh, in, in, on a regular fashion, having the one-off day on Friday before the series open, their pitching. Uh, right so far in the first three games has just been much, much better than, than the Tigers hitting. And, Timmy, tell me with the Cardinals, is this teaching or is this just personnel? Because, you know, you, you watch a lot of baseball, and, and really all we ever see is, you know, fastball, cutter, slider. They got hellacious big curveballs. I mean, Wainwright, right. Carpenter, are they teaching big curveballs, or these guys just happen to have big curveballs? Well, I think Carpenter's had it. You know, he had it with Toronto, but a lot of, you know, I mean, this Dave Duncan sees things that other pitching coaches don't see. I mean, how about the Wainwright curveballs to the Mets? They were unbelievable. I know it. I know. The, and the 2-2 strikeout of Beltron, nobody, everybody talking about how Beltron froze on that ball. Let me tell you, nobody hits that pitch. You know, Nobody. You now, don't, now with two strikes you don't, on you don't Nobody see the, hits that pitch. You don't see that big curve anymore, you know? Uh, yeah, you don't. I mean, that type 12-6 to six curveball. And, and it's similar for Carpenter. It's not as good as Rain, Wainwright. But, you know, you, also you look at a guy like Supon who mixes things up, who changes speeds. He doesn't have a, a, a big breaking ball, but he throws it enough. And just it, it, his, his control is off the fastball, in and out. The ability to get left-handed hitters out. Uh, I mean, you know, Duncan deserves a lot of credit. The pitchers are the guys who have to execute the pitches, and I'm not trying to take that away from I mean, uh, Wainwright's got one of those Camilo Pasquale curveballs, yeah, you know? Does. Felix it's Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting uh, going into next year to see whether the Cardinals make a uh, make a starter out of Wainwright. Yeah, they, tough they call. They can go one way or the other on him. Good job, Timmy. Thanks for 20 minutes. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy it, guys. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Tim, very Tim much. Carver on the fans. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.